Well, hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome back, not just to another edition, but to a brand new year and ultimately a brand new decade of our Finding Our Way podcast, our uh, opportunity to give Southridge members the inside scoop on what's going on around our church. And I thought I'd start things off, not surprisingly, with our teaching pastor, Michael Krause. Say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Um, Most people know a good number of things about you, but uh, I'm just wondering as we launch into this, whether there's any sort of untouched, unpreached uh, (laughs) item that you can give to give us a window into your life and soul. I, nobody wants a window into my soul, but um, fair enough. I think I w- most people I think would either know me or assume me to be rather indoorsy by nature. Um, I love life in the great indoors, but what what many people may not know is that uh, Chris and I spend basically all of our vacation weeks every year living in a pop up trailer in various places across. North America, and over the last couple of years, I've become somewhat of a cycling enthusiast and a bit of a hiker. My wife is going to turn me into an outdoors person yet, I guess. That would be something that not too many people know about you, <laughs> that you've become an outdoors person. I wouldn't say I've become an... Krista would not say I've become an outdoors person, but I am in transition. From my vantage point <laughs> and knowing you, you've become an outdoors person. <laughs> compared to you, I'm an outdoors person. Yeah, compared to me, you're an outdoors person. Hey, uh, we've been doing this for quite a while, and uh, at the dawn of a new year, I'm wondering, sort of looking back, can you give us, like, your best church leader story or sort of funniest moment that you can remember in your life in ministry? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, honestly, I think the one that jumps into my head is I, I shared it, I think in a sermon fairly recently, uh, where I was, I was preaching about, um, the sexual looseness of our culture and impromptu, I went off script I I strayed from the notes. You and I have talked many times about the dangers of straying from the notes, and I used a an example of a billboard from a locally owned shoe company where they had put a scantily clad woman on a billboard to sell a pair of shoes, and I named the company in the sermon and immediately after the service walked out into the lobby and was called over by a church member who said, I want to introduce you to my friend who came to church for the very first time today. He owns the shoe company that you... <laughs> mentioned i remember that vividly that was way back and that was terrible that was a sham wow for sure i uh, nearly <laughs> just got a cardboard box and started packing up my office <laughs> <laughs> took your shoes off and ate them <laughs> well certainly one of them was in my mouth yeah, so yeah. <laughs> moral of the story don't stray from the notes don't stray from the no. notes hey uh Last week and last year, uh, we landed this podcast conversation with uh, the chair of our board of elders, Joan Hyatt, just kind of reflecting on the year. And she alluded to the idea that we're not just launching into a new year, uh, we're actually launching into a new decade. And it got me thinking, kind of starting the year off with you, Mike, that this is actually our third now full decade that we're entering into, right? We got into this... Uh, in the late 90s, and so we had all of the 2000s and all the 2010s. And I, before we get into kind of looking forward, uh, 
just to reflect a little bit, because I heard last week that that was of uh, spiritual value. I heard that. Somebody very wise said that. Stayed stayed true to the notes. (laughs) Um, When you think back about the last two decades... What what do you remember about them? Like when you think about the two thousands, if you can kind of get your head around that decade, what what yeah. what did that decade kind of mean to you? What was God up to, either kind of in our society or our church specifically? What do you, what do you remember? Yeah, I um, I've been doing I doing I think everybody is just thinking about the last um, ten years. Um, what has God been up to in our country? Let's say in the last ten years. And um, it's amazing to think through every, what our country has lived through in the last 10 years, for sure. Uh, in 2019, for the second year in a row, we were, we were rated the number one country to live in uh, around the world in terms of quality of life. But I, but I did, so I did a little bit of, I actually put together a list of some of the things that have gone on, in, that have emerged in the last 10 years in our country. Um, the opioid crisis, uh, the the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission, uh, and the investigation into murdered and missing Indigenous women and children, um, the death of Amanda Todd and online um, bullying, uh, Fort McMurray and the fires, um, the attack on Parliament, the van attack in Toronto, um, like there's so many, even the the global refugee crisis and the role our country has played. There is so many really challenging uh, scenarios or things that we have lived through or are still navigating over the last 10 years. And so when I think about what is God doing, I think God is, in for a country that I think we love to idealize, because I love Canada, um, we love to idealize our country and, and the idyllic way that we get to live. But I think there's a, a real sense in which reality is being put in our face and we have the opportunity i think as a church or as the church in canada to confront the hard edges of what it means to live our faith um in the reality of the stuff that's going on in our country and maybe even participate in seeing the kingdom coming in real in real ways that 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 matter on the ground um, yeah it's interesting that you're describing life as both in a sense, kind of better and worse. Yeah. Um, you know, when I think about the you know, way, way back, kind of the leave it to beaver idea yeah, of our yeah. generation growing up, that white picket fancy kind of generation or whatever, that era. Um, you know, as we've kind of evolved, it, it almost feels like, I don't know whether this is an internet thing or an access to information thing, but... Uh, we see a lot more of that this stuff around us that it yeah. feels like we never saw yeah. decades ago. And so, yeah, it feels like while the quality of life, you know, to your stats, probably is continuing to improve and upgrade, our exposure to darkness yeah. is probably also uh, increasing. And so there's a little bit of, you know, what do you do with all that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and certainly it kind of, uh, I, I would say, awakens people and hopefully awakens us as a church to the, the needs that are right in front of us that we can, we can kind of address. Well, and it, and it forces the choice between 
um, is culture bad and should we hide? Or is this an opportunity for Christ to do something remarkable and, and let's lean in yeah. and see what God wants to do? When, uh, you know, when you survey the last decade or two, are there any sort of major themes that you see God has been up to? Uh, kind of even specifically among us, if not beyond? Well, yeah. So, I mean, you think back over the last 10 years, just in our church, uh, 10 years ago, we were one location. And 10 years ago, we were not partnering with Rose City Kids, or we weren't serving migrant farm workers. We were very, very new in the uh, shelter uh, ministry. Yeah, it was the middle of the 2000s that yeah. we even moved. Yeah, that first we moved. First of all, there was St. Yeah, Catherine's location, like uh, end of 03, beginning of 04. So it was yeah. in the middle of those 2000s, let alone the 2010s. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Where, where we were even into that at all. So yeah. you're right, there was that missional era in the 2000s. I would say the multi-site era was probably the early 2010s. Yeah, that, that was probably that, that first decade in yeah, the 2000s, yeah. yeah. yeah of thinking different ways of thinking about how to expand ministry of that, that um, surface themes like choosing to grow smaller, to grow bigger by growing smaller, having more small communities instead of continuing to you multiply services in a, in a big room, like in St. Catharines, that, that kind of mentality that maybe bigger wasn't always better or not everything about bigger is necessarily better. Um, and then I think for us, the the second decade, there was a lot of, God taught us a lot about justice. And near the end of the first decade in the 2000s, we had that, we taught on Amos, the affluenza yeah, series, yeah. and, and, um, and you know, with regards to the shelter and, and some of the ways that we've gotten involved in our region over the last 10 years. Um, never mind, I mean, even more recently, Brave Girls and Next Level pouring into female empowerment. I feel like in some ways, our church is almost not recognizable uh, compared to the one that you and I joined up in 1997 yeah, on yeah, staff. Yeah, it's a yeah, very no, different absolutely. reality. Um, so let's spend some time then kind of looking ahead. I know that's where the fun of this season is. And uh, I don't know how much of a crystal ball we're going to be able to to access here, but... Uh, looking forward, not just to this year, but to, to this coming decade, um, are there any sort of overarching moves of God that you're already sensing or maybe read about or or mm. can kind of perceive are coming? Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know if I perceive them as coming. I couldn't have predicted we'd be here 10, ten years ago, so who knows, you know, but... Uh, there's and, a, and now that this is going to be recorded, right, exactly. this will be the archive that exactly. we'll play back 10 years from now and <laughs> to my have shame. a laugh. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, there would be a couple things. I would say over the last number of years, you can see a move away from, in the church at large, you can see a, a move away from mega churchy, um, that sort of full service idea um, of evangelism, using the Sundays for evangelism and so on, to a more practice-based, I know it's language that we use already, but we use it because we feel like God is moving, not just us, but more broadly in that direction, where we think more about Sundays and, and even just participating in the community itself 
in terms of encountering God in a variety of ways rather than being educated about the Bible or, or not that obviously truth matters and I'm a teaching pastor, so it better continue to matter because my kids need to eat. But, um, but where I think 20 years ago, answers, quote unquote, answers were everything. If you had the right answers, if you could give people the right answers, that was, that was the goal. And now I think inviting people to encounter the presence of God in a variety of ways is much more where the church is headed. I would say, I mean, to that, you're, I feel like you're talking about two things at the same time. You know, one is the reason why communities gather. For sure. Right? That's uh, part of it. We're, we're not gathering as this shopping mall yeah, right, yeah. of attraction and consumption and offer programs to purchase or to tip or, you know, whatever, yeah. um, that, that are just going to provide you the five tips and the answers. And like you're describing, there's a reasons why we gather, but above that, I think that there's a, what is the church? Because yeah, I think absolutely. we came yeah. from, we yeah. came from eras where the church was synonymous with the building and the day of the week and the place you went to gather. Mm-hmm. Right, people were referred to and still are to a large degree uh, as church goers, and I think already we've seen a, a kind of a, a seismic shift in that. That I, I feel like will only continue. Yeah, absolutely. that church will continue to become way less about this place you go and way more about this life you live in community with others. And because of that, then the reason you gather. Kind of fits into this life you live in community with others, as opposed to serving the all-in-one purposes for what everything in church ought to be for everyone, because they want to compact it down to this one hour. Yeah, well, yeah, and and even as I as you're saying that, I'm reflecting back on the language that I was using, and and even the language I was using betrays some of that shift because I was I was speaking actually in more general terms than. That's my instinct now to speak in more general terms than just to show up on Sunday, thinking about how we encounter Christ in the in the experience of community and especially diverse community, and thinking about how we encounter Christ in the ways that we interact with the with the poor and the marginalized. Jesus saying, you know, in as much as you've engaged with them, you've engaged with me. The presence of Christ is there, and and just thinking about how can we. How can we encounter Jesus in increasing number of ways? And the the other thing, actually, now that I've used the word diversity, another thing that I see happening for the last bunch of centuries, I would say our experience of Christianity, our experience of church has been dominated by white, Western, European, male perspective. And I see a, a church where the global church is becoming more important, voices from other communities, uh, reading more theologians of color, reading more women, reading more people from other cultures, or different kinds of people groups whose voices haven't played as prominent role in how we think about what church is. And I feel like that's another opportunity to encounter Christ in a fuller way. Yeah, much more egalitarian and yeah. much more diverse. Yeah, uh, as as a much a much more diverse expression of the body of Christ. And I think those kinds of voices are going to matter more in the next 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking with that too. Um, you know, when, when you think about 
kind of what faith is going to look like a decade from now. Uh, I mean, if I look back at this last decade and the emergence of things like technology and mm. even social media mm-hmm. and, you know, watching our kids now grow up native to the internet, native to devices, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, a, a phone or a, a personal device is like an appendage at this point, uh, not just to us, but specifically the next gen. Um, is there anything that you see? I won't even say that. Uh, where do you see that going? I, I guess is my question because in the last in the last decade, I think there was a a real a real desire to kind of lean into that and and optimize that for Christ. Yeah, and you saw all kinds of like online church and uh, church apps. Uh, I know that's been a conversation internally around here even, um, but but. You know, there's also pushback on the impact of technology and you know, mental health issues and things that are, are being exacerbated through things like social media and the comparisons and uh, anxieties that that creates. Like that whole soup or things like that. Yeah. Where, where do you see that stuff headed? Yeah, I mean, those, that, those are challenging questions because they, um, on the one hand, I mean, technology is such a gift. You and I couldn't be having this conversation with our entire community right now if it weren't for technology making that possible. Um, It's all a tool, but every technology also rebounds back and and begins to to have an impact on the people who use it. So Winston Churchill years ago said, we shape our buildings and then our buildings shape us. We become, we learn to live into the sorts of spaces that we live in, and that's true People don't use the word cyberspace anymore, but that would make a real clever way to finish that <laughs> sentence. Um, that's true online as well, when that's the space that we're living in. It shapes how we live. And what I, I do think we're seeing already, you're right in saying, there's now the backlash, or at, backlash is the wrong thing, because I don't think anybody's trashing technology. I, As far as I know, I'm still... the one of the only people I know that doesn't have a smartphone, but because um, I'm just that far behind the times. But uh, um, I think what we're learning to see is the that hard edge, the 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 unredemptive side of technology, and I think the church is going to get much better at providing um ways to counter or ways to address those issues we you and I have had the conversation before that there's relevance is a double-edged sword on the one hand you can be relevant by um being the kind of person that is a full participant in your own culture and society so that when people as a person of faith people look at me or they look at you and they say oh that's that's something i recognize i could imagine myself living a life of faith, because I can see how it can be done. It's familiar, right? But relevant can also mean, and and needs to at times also mean, providing what people are not getting anywhere else in culture, and being that, being counter-cultural is relevant. So in a world that's filled with busyness and noise, spaces where people can experience slowness and quiet is relevant, Mm -hmm. because it fills, it addresses a need, it creates a space for God to do something that... God doesn't have a space to do anywhere else in people's lives. Yeah, yeah, and in an environment where you're around sameness, exposure yeah, to diversity absolutely. is absolutely. relevant. It's you know, those that kinds opposite. Of absolutely. Um, hey, let's shift gears and uh, talk specifically about our own community. 
uh, kind of at the dawn of 2020, you're looking at the year ahead. Uh, what excites you the most about the year ahead from a Southridge perspective? <laughs> I my my initial instinct is to think about some of the conversations we're going to have on Sunday mornings, but I don't know if that's like too overtly self-promoting or not. But because um, I've been I've spent the last uh, month or so as I've I've had less time. Uh, preaching on Sundays in the pulpit on Sundays. I've been spending my time doing a lot of work and prepping for the the conversations we're going to have in the first half of, of 2020, in particular through this series in Galatians. Um, and I have been finding myself repeatedly challenged and stretched and actually deeply appreciating um, God pushing my own understanding of grace, how radical grace really, really is, and how um, broad and sweeping grace is, how inclusive grace is. And um, there's a part of me that as I'm studying Galatians and I and seeing Paul addressing people who are tempted to... Uh, create categories for what it looks like to impress God or or to be advanced in how you're living your life of faith or whatever. Yeah, to be closer to God. Right, to yeah. know how to measure, as two former engineers, you know, sitting here, yeah. to know how to measure spirituality or maturity and to realize that God continually wants to deconstruct that in us. He wants us to be growing, but, but to even recognize every moment of growth is a moment of grace. Uh, I... I'm finding that profoundly challenging to my own, the ways that I think about my own relationship with Christ. And then I get really excited to talk about that with our entire community. And I would affirm that. Not that church is the place no, you go for the not, hour a week. We're not church goers. It's not about, it's not no. about the gathering exclusively, but uh, I, I, I would affirm that too, knowing I've been in some of these planning meetings and seen um, some of, if not much of the, the work that you've been uh, investing into the first half of the year's teaching arc. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I would feel like if God has stretched us in previous eras, in many ways, they might just be warm ups to yeah, the next one yeah, yeah. that uh, we're going to dig in deeper, harder core and in our objective around here of fostering a lifestyle of full devotion, uh, I'd be pretty confident that we're going to be invited into fuller devotion yeah, yeah. Uh, through the, the the next, at least the front half of the year, uh, through this next year. It's going to be really good. Um, at the same time, anything specific to 2020 that's concerning you looking ahead? Yeah, I. Um, this isn't particular to our church, but I think our church, in the way that we participate in the culture that's all around us, um, the increasing polarization of culture, um, both outside the church and inside the church, is it. I get very concerned about that. Um, within the church, I, I remember reading a number of years ago, a woman named Phyllis Tickle said about every 500 years or so, the church has a gigantic rummage sale, and it puts all of what it you know, all of the ways that it had been doing church out on the front lawn, and it sells it off and, and kind of reinvents itself. And she wrote that just before the beginning of the 2000s to say, we're in that season right now where the church is doing a lot of rethinking about what it means to be church. And I think there, that creates camps, if we're not careful. I think that there are some folks who feel the way 
that church has been and, and what has been familiar to them and what's been meaningful to them may be fading, and that can induce fear in folks. And I think... Yeah, losing sacredness. Right? Yeah. You yeah. feel like sacred cows are dying or whatever. Yeah. Um, and on the other hand, I think that in the eagerness to rush into the new, I think the temptation can be for other people to to run ahead without fully thinking about the implications of, of, you know, they say before you tear down a fence, you know, figure out first why it was there in the first place. And I think there can be a, an enthusiasm for pulling down fences without doing great thinking about why that fence was there in the first place. But so you get these camps and then the real danger is that in the midst of it all and increasingly more, and maybe in part because of the internet, um, fewer and fewer people are actually genuinely equipped to talk well with people that they disagree with or people who see the world differently than they do. And if we can't have those conversations, the body of Christ, the diversity um, that we experience in the body of Christ is meant to unify us and grow us into the image of Christ. But if we can't have mature, loving conversations about that stuff, if fear drives those conversations, then... Um, we're, it's going to be hard to get there. Well, and that probably walks us into one of what I would say would be the obvious movements of God that he's been uh, both preparing and working in our hearts already uh, that I think we can anticipate for the year, if not the decade ahead. And that's been this journey that we've been on and we've referred to as love beyond belief. Mm-hmm. haven't talked about it a lot lately, uh, but it's you know, we've been kind of seeing God till the soil for some time. And as you're understanding this better, how are you viewing the potential of this mindset shift or this attitude of heart? Yeah, I would, I mean, in, in a fact at its core, exactly what I was just saying that, um, there are lots of ways to follow Christ. And we, we run, I think, I was having this conversation with my 13 year old yesterday that, because we look at the world in a way that seems normal to us, it's easy to assume that that's the normal way to look at the world, and then further to assume that either that's either how everybody else does look at the world, or that's how everybody else should look at the world. And what we lose in that uniformity is the broad perspective. And I think there's lots of ways throughout church history, around the world today, we were talking about people of color and you know, female perspectives, other cultures, every diverse perspective adds value, adds a new way to understand who Christ is. And so the opportunity to love and to have these conversations in a loving, you know, way without fear, without fearing the other, um, is only going to broaden our understanding of who Christ is and who Christ has revealed uh, himself to be in all of his diversity and beauty in a way that we we just can't have access to just through our own lenses. Yeah, and for me, uh, the longer I'm into this, I, I, I feel way more of the heart cry of the prayer of Jesus in John 17 mm-hmm. for all of his disciples to be one. And I think the love beyond belief journey for, for me personally has only awakened us or it only awakened me to how not one we are, mm-hmm. to how subdivided mm-hmm. over how many, you've listed a few of these diversities, but like over how many layers and categories of difference we've subdivided ourselves 
to organize and rally around sameness and to bust that open uh, both for our benefit, like you're talking about the, the, the value of diverse perspectives to see kind of the whole scope of God's truth and, and love, but more importantly to paint this, you know, prophetic or culturally relevant picture of oneness to a watching world that's not seeing it in the church and among Christians, uh, I I think is really going to be compelling. And it's going to be at least like decade long work. I I feel it'll be a, uh, regardless of what else God does, it'll be a major theme of the coming decade is the way that he's able to till the soil and in our hearts in, in that way. And, uh, you know, knowing that we've been deeply invested in this conversation, specifically lately around LGBTQ plus inclusion, we actually have a town hall meeting uh, about this this week to discuss this. Um, it, it's it's way more than just about LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. inclusion. Mm-hmm. We've we've discovered that this this actually permeates into all of the facets of how we relate to other people by doing faith in community. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just way more massive. Anything that you want to comment on that as far as what we can expect in the new year, sort of love beyond belief wise? Well, I think what I'm excited about in the new year for the love beyond belief conversation, I I feel like the last half of 2019 was uh, about creating clarity in response to the meetings that we had in June. Uh, We probably spent the summer helping hopefully create some clarity with people within our community. We spent most of the fall you know, work talking to the domination to create clarity and mutual understanding with them about what it is that we were talking about and and where we felt God leading our church. Um, But what I'm excited about in 2020 is the possibility that the conversation moves then from just clarifying to, so now we have some mutual understanding, how can we as a community and how can we with our denomination together think about what it looks like to be more loving and more inclusive, you know, in this case with LGBTQ plus people, but then echo that into right. How can we live this out? Right. How right? what does it look like? The talking about right. that yeah. is yeah, enough. Yeah. Of what start, we, yeah, let's start let's start living it out. <laughs> Your father in law as a framer was fond of saying when I work for him, talking about it isn't gonna get these walls up. So why do, let's start yeah. building this thing. Let's yeah. start thinking about what it looks like to live this out as a community. Yeah, and I think in conjunction with what you said earlier about our study uh, through the book of Galatians, particularly in the front half of 2020, uh, I think that God is up to some really cool and really deep stuff yeah. in, in our hearts and among us. Uh, Michael, any final encouragements or challenges to our membership when it comes to making the most of the year and, frankly, the decade ahead? Yeah, um, I guess in the spirit of the conversation of the f- fear can can keep us apart or fear can keep us from having the the loving conversations that can draw us closer to Christ. I I guess maybe what I would say is this that in the spirit of maybe minimizing fear that any time that we see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control manifesting itself in a person or in a community we can be sure that the Holy Spirit is at work there, because not to forecast the end of Galatians, but that's what Paul says, that anytime you see that stuff, it's because the Spirit's that, at work. That's his fruit. Right? Yeah. 
And so when we see that in a person or when we see that in a community, that's God's invitation to lean in and to find out how God is working and to figure out what God is inviting us into in response, I think. Awesome. Gang, uh, we're super excited about the year ahead. We hope that you are too and hope that uh, this uh, communication piece every week can be part of helping fan that flame for each of us personally and us together as a church family. Excited for what God has ahead as we continue Uh, in this lifestyle of full devotion, pursuing Christ together, and specifically in this kind of conversation as we're finding our way uh, every year and every decade uh, ahead, coming closer to Jesus. Thanks for being a part of this, and uh, we're looking forward to a great 2020. Take care, everyone. Take care.